Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered, Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa Curry-Lowitz, and I'm here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, everyone. Today it is Wednesday, June the 23rd. Welcome to the Elisa Unfiltered Podcast. My name is Elisa. I am your host. And today is another special solo episode of the pod. I love these. I want to do more of these. I am. I also love interviewing amazing guests. Don't get me wrong. However, I've just, I've been called to the mic solo again this week, and I'm excited to get started. Now, today I am going to talk about, I'm going to try and talk about, who knows what tangents we're going to go off here. (laughs) Uh, I want to talk about why we do the things we do, even when they're no longer serving us, or they hurt us, or they make us feel less than and or when we don't even want to do these things anymore. Why why do we do this? How are we benefiting from this? And I get I get these types of questions all of the time. I'm talking all the time from clients, from people reading my posts, listening to the show, etc. And so I wanted to create an episode that really starts to break it down a little bit more and maybe get you thinking about your habits and behaviors in a different way. So last week I spoke a lot about your beliefs and how they make or break your life. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, um, go go check it out. It's It actually will make this episode um, make a lot more sense. Um, and if you have listened to it, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you've subscribed to the pod, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. That is also amazing. Thank you so much for the support. And in doing that, you are helping others find the show and keeping Elisa Unfiltered ranked higher in the search. So thank you to everyone who has um, has gone ahead and subscribed. Rate, rated or left a review is even better. Uh, so thank you. Anywho, let's get into today's show. As I mentioned in previous episodes, uh, I've been I've been processing a lot of shit this past couple of years. And yes, I know that that statement resonates with a lot of you. So if you're on your healing journey, amen, good on you. Keep processing, you know, keep paying attention. And yes, everyone's healing journey is such a beautiful and complex individualized road. However, it is in the learning about others that we can continue to learn about ourselves, right? Because if we have never seen the path or how it might look different from our own current situation, how can we possibly envision a different life for ourselves? And that is the how. How do we do it, right? Now, many of you have probably heard of and can resonate um with there's like these traditional styles of learning, like there's four types of learning of the how, 
Okay, how are you gonna, well, this is how you're gonna get the information. So if you if you haven't learned about those four types of learning, that's totally okay, it's not a big deal, it doesn't matter. Uh, but there are four types for anyone who wants to know. They are, you can learn visually, you can be a visual learner, you can be an auditory learner, so you need to hear. You can be an, a, a, a kinesthetic learner, meaning you have to experience it, like go through it to learn. Um, and then there's like reading and writing, I think is the last one. Reading, writing, yeah, that's I think number four. <laughs> and yes, we are all predominantly one of these four types of lear learners. However, there is a big difference in knowing something or learning about something and then doing something. So implementing the knowledge, all right? And I think a lot of people get really stuck or paralyzed in their lives when it comes to the actual taking action, to the doing of it. So what action, what actions do I take? What's gonna to happen to me? What's my guarantee that my life will be better on the other side? And ooh, we're gonna get into this. <laughs> um, and uh, now, first of all, I wanna say that our ability to learn something and have it impact us on the level of changing the way we live our lives will come to us in the most random ways. I'm gonna give an example of that right at the end of the show, I think, of how of something that impacted me to make change. Um, and I guess I wanna preface this by saying that we really need, we need to be ready to receive and we need to be ready to hear things in a specific way or see things in a, a specific way or experience anything or however you learn in a specific way for order in order for it to, to move us, meaning in order for it to have us start the doing. And it's also okay to be confused. It's also okay to be scared. It's okay to question things when you don't understand. And this doesn't mean you're stupid. In fact, it's the complete opposite. Questioning, oh, I just, I encourage everyone to question, question, question. Questioning makes you a genius. <laughs> it puts you leagues above other students of life or people on their healing journey. If you're on your healing journey and you're not questioning yourself, like, mm, mm, <laughs> you might want to start thinking about that a little bit. <laughs> Anyways, you know, there's this, this really fun little fact from my performance coaching days. I want to share it with you. Um, because, you know, we, we teach skills. We were teaching acrobatic skills, lots of technical um, skills that we teach athletes of all different learning types um, all the time. Like that's the job. <laughs> so what one of the things that I really started to observe and this observation helped me to help people even further was that there are, there's sort of like three main ways that people will use the information given to them in order to execute the skill, okay? So, they learn the skill in whatever form that works for them, visual, auditorial, etc. And then what? What makes them do it? Again, the difference between knowing how and doing. You see what I'm saying here? So the first way is people can hear the information or receive the information. And just by having that, have the ability to execute the skill 
or a new habit or a way of behaving or simply by simply just knowing about it. They can do it. Right? That's person one. Person two, they can have all that information, but they must also see the skill or the new habit or way of behavior executed by someone else in order for them to believe in themselves to be able to do it or trust the path. They need to know about it and they need to see someone doing it over and over again in some cases. It might not be just one time, all right? And the third type of person would, this is, a, this is an interesting type of person, but they exist, they are out there. Um, they kind of, they don't really need to have information. They just create their own way without hearing or seeing it first. Right, they're very intuitive by nature. So, um, and I'll give some examples about this. So real life examples in sporting, in the sporting community, let's talk about doing a backflip. <laughs> okay, sounds pretty easy, right? So uh, in the context of these like examples, person one would hear the instructions or see them or whatever, and be able to do it or at least try to do it based on the information they were given. So they would just trust in the in the instructions and be able to do it. Person two would need to not only hear the instructions, but like see someone else doing it first. And in some cases, not even hear the instructions, just see them and be able to like relate it in their own body and be like, oh, that's what a backflip looks like. That's what he did. I can do that too. And, you know, it's kind of like the, um, if you jump, I jump, sort of mentality here um and then the person three would need you to explain the oh excuse me they wouldn't need you to explain the process they would be able to envision the whole thing on their own so do a backflip they wouldn't need to see it or hear it or learn about it they would just be able to do it <laughs> so this type of thing as i've been observing a lot in my practice is that it also relates or translates into uh, emotional and mental adaptations as well or learnings as well. And people are the exact same way with learning technical skills as they are with regular everyday things or regular everyday skills that we learn to improve our lives or to heal ourselves or whatever the case may be. And just so you know, there is also anxiety and fear around all of these things, all right? I'm not talking about how scared, well, it is a little bit about how scared you are, but these different people, like persons one, two, and three, can all have the same level of fear or anxiety around doing a backflip. I mean, in some cases, they have the same fear and anxiety around cooking or around dating, or whatever the case may be, all right? So this doesn't mean that you're not afraid. It means that you learn and are inspired to do things differently. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. So like, for example, an everyday skill would be something like, I don't know, what are we gonna use? Let's say learning to meditate, okay? That's a skill, learning to meditate. So person one would hear the instructions and be able to more clearly understand the benefits and they'd be able to clear their mind and feel good about it. And they'd sort of buy in and trust in that just by hearing the instructions. And they begin their practice or whatever. Person two would need to 
hear those instructions, but they would need to watch someone else benefit from it first to see if it worked for someone else first. They wouldn't just trust the path right away. They would have to keep observing others doing it in order to like buy in fully. All right, and person three would just, I don't know, intuitively prompt themselves to quiet the mind and intuitively know that this is the way for um, their personal healing and growth. Does that make sense? And yeah, you can switch from person one, two, or three depending on the risk involved with the new skill or the practice or the healing journey or the journey or whatever it is, the learn, the learning. Um, However, most of us generally lean more into one of those three persons, okay? Anyways, that was a bit of a tangent because (laughs) learning or... Because this has been a huge, uh, a huge experience for me in the teaching aspect and of being a coach myself and understanding that everyone sort of learns and does things differently. And learning and knowing about how you learn is a radical part of your own growth. It's a radical part of your own growth. Why? Because... If you need to see someone actually doing something or performing a skill uh, or need to watch them physically make changes in their lives in order to understand the path that they're on, then you would be very confused or not trust, essentially, someone who just spoke about it. There's like the talkers and the in-spoke quotes. And yeah, those kind of impact you a little bit, but they don't drive you to actually do something different in your life, do, do they? Like, why do some things make you change or make you take a different path or choose a different way and others don't, right? So I want you to kind of keep that in your mind. And and this goes vice versa. So um, as you can maybe see or hear, this pod is about, well, there's undertones about inner trust, right? So the difference between persons one, two, and three is their level of trust and it's trust in themselves the process, the teachers, the results, the outcomes. It can become very complex, but it doesn't have to be that way. All right. Uh, Remember that, and I think this is a Brene Brown. Brene Brown says this. Yeah, I'm I'm 99.9% sure Brene Brown says this quote, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. Right? I love it. I love that so much when I heard that because unclear, when things are unclear to us, it threatens our ability to grow. We feel threatened when things are unclear. We don't feel safe when things are unclear. And so we retreat into our shell and stay small, right? Our ability to grow and expand depends on our ability to clearly understand our why, why we're doing this. How will I benefit? Who is in control of my thoughts and beliefs, right? Why am I not in control of my thoughts and beliefs? That's the better question. Where did my opinion come from? Why do I have this opinion? Why do I always make the same damn mistakes all the time? Why does this always happen to me? Why do I always feel this way? Um, and, and, And this all brings me to the meat and potatoes of today's pod. You ready? So 
last week, um, I love me a good intro. <laughs> I always get into the meat and potatoes, like, way in. So, um, last week, what was I saying? Um, I posted an IG story in relation to having low energy days. If you saw it, fantastic. I did a poll and I hear ya. I know many of you are also experiencing low energy days. This is not good, this is not bad. Some of you um, aren't, which that doesn't make anyone better than anyone else here. <laughs> but this post really sort of like uh, sparked the, um, the idea of this podcast. So I was having a few back to back to back super low energy days. Is this normal? It, a little bit, you know, is this common? I should say a little bit, but it's sort of forced me into making a lot of changes to my schedule and my workload and my workouts, etc. So I was feeling low and, and therefore I made changes. I did this to honor my body. I've discovered that the grind is not always worth it. To grind and grind and push through is not always worth it. And in this case, I needed to listen to the needs of my body. And when I listen, I am always, always, always making the right choice for myself. Always. Now, the interesting part was that these low energy days were triggering. What happened was that they were triggering some deep inner shit in my mind and my body and and triggered thoughts that try to control the narrative of this decision in a negative way. Now, I love the word narrative right now. I'm using it a lot. I want to use it all the time. And I use the word narrative in the context of the story of our minds. So our thinking, our thought processes, how we think, uh, what's the story, even the sentence structure. We all know what the word narrative means, but like we also have an inner narrative 100% of the time. We are always thinking thoughts, whether we are aware of them or not. So my default setting in this situation, my default narrative was to punish myself. What's a default setting? Really quickly, this is simply the term I like to use to describe your mental conditioning. So the way you were taught to think. Now, if you are interested in learning a little bit more about that, go listen to the podcast that I just did before this on on beliefs. I think it's episode 109, 109. So I slipped into my default setting and I started to say things to myself like, you're so lazy. I can't even believe how lazy you're being. And, oh, you didn't work out today, huh? You're fat. I can see it already. Your face looks fatter. You're getting fat. All right. And things like, you're a lousy, good for nothing, fat pig. I always call myself a fucking fat pig. That's kind of my default from years and years and years ago. Uh, I was also saying things like, you failed this week. You're a failure. You're failing yourself. You're not reaching your goals. You're set, you're putting yourself back, things like that, et cetera, et cetera. Now, we all know that saying these things to other people would be absolutely out of the question. However, I learned to speak to myself in this way from watching other people and developing a tolerance for self-abuse, which by the way, can be picked up in your life, in, in your life or in our lives as, um, 
you know, that twisted manipulation, manipulative version of motivation or tough love, tough love, Ugh, tough love. Let's talk about that for one second. You know that tough love that you received at whatever age you were at whatever stage of your life? Are you still giving tough love? Are you still relieving, receiving rather tough love? Um, our caretakers meant well by telling us to get off your ass or your grades aren't good enough or uh, that we eat too much or that we're not enough. Tough love is basically threatening, the threatening of love or reaching our goals or whatever. It's when someone threatens us in order to motivate us. Does that make sense? We're doing this for your own good, you know? Um, whatever we were exposed to growing up, that's our default setting. So it's deeply ingrained beliefs and internal narratives that become extremely threatened when we thrive for change or personal growth. All right. So I decided to honor my body and my energy level and that threatened the narrative and created these and pulled up these uh, these negative words, right? That's what triggered it. And these narratives belong to the ego. So back to the story here, I had a low energy week. I slipped into my default setting, which also means that I was not present. I was in my past. I was in my automation and I started to really hurt and feel bad for myself. And I started making unhealthy choices and I started to fall victim to the power of my mind and how my thoughts and how I speak to myself really controls my mood and my behaviors and my actions and reactions and all those things that all sort of spirals together. Everything works inter and like everything's intertwined and works together. And it was there that I sort of snapped out of it for a second. So I became aware of the voice of the victim who felt punished. You know, there was a part of me that felt really punished and I became aware of the voice of the judge who was doing the punishing. So it's not just about the the hearing of the words, you're so lazy, you fat pig, which is the judge in the mind, which is the character, a character of the ego. The ego is primarily the judge and the victim. But it's also the immediate cowering, the inner cowering and shrinking that follows that line. So you might hear you're a fat, lazy pig and not shrink but you also might shrink. And I was sort of shrinking. I felt that happen. I felt my victim being very present. Now, for the record, both are fine. Both happen back and forth to us all. This means you too, (laughs) every single day. Like this is how the ego works. It works in polarity. However, the more aware you are, the easier it is to disrupt this old narrative. I'm using air quotes, old narrative, and create a new language around everything, your choices, whatever. So, Here's where, here's where things get even more interesting because this is, okay. If we have the ability to change our own narrative and release ourselves from the grip of the victim judger and release ourselves from all of the narratives that continuously make us hide and shrink our light and rewrite or reprogram or unlearn or whatever you want to call it, all of these narratives that keep us from living a life of happiness and passion and creativity and joy, then why the heck don't we do it? 
Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you jump all over that glory ticket? That's like winning the body, mind, soul lottery, isn't it? To be able to release yourself from the prison of your old narrative that's keeping you small. You know, that's the question of the century, really. And the reason that we stay or live or fall back to our default setting. So remember, the way you were taught to think and behave is because in doing so, there is a kickback. All right, in doing so, there is some sort of benefit to us. And I mean, some of you are probably thinking, how the heck do I benefit from calling myself a lazy fat pig? Well, here's the answer. And just to go back, like, the reason we also do this is because we're human and that's the way the mind works. That's the way the ego works. But the ego also has a kickback. The, the, the kickback lives in the space of the ego. Okay. Here's the answer, at least <laughs> my interpretation of the answer. We human beings, so humans that are being, find comfort in routine and habits. Ego loves comfort and routine. Loves routine loves you to stay in the same place over and over again, okay? So we have a very hard time trusting a different path, especially when change requires us to trust in the unknown. You know that fear of the unknown stuff? I talk about this all the time too. I'm scared, I don't wanna do that, I don't know what's gonna happen to me, right? And especially when change, when there's no guarantee that things are gonna get better on the other side. like. Um, I'm going to give a couple examples or an example, at least one about my marriage with my husband. If I knew, if I was guaranteed that leaving him would help me or would create a better life, if I could see in the future, I would do it in two seconds. Are you crazy? Of course, but there is no guarantee. We can't see in the future. All right. There's an element of trusting the path here. And, you know, even sometimes when we're sitting at our quote unquote rock bottom and there's really only one way to go, which is up, which is better than where we're at right now, we still don't always trust the path, all right? We also find comfort in falling into our victim judger because in doing so, we no longer have to take responsibility for ourselves. And I wanna explain that a little bit. We have learned that blaming the world and blaming others and having or believing in that pity party narrative voids us of having to do anything else about it. All right, so that I'm just a lazy fat pig. I might as well eat another bag of chips. This isn't my fault. It's not my fault I'm getting fat. This, you know, he's so mean to me. I can never get a promotion. I can whatever. When you're blaming everything in the world, all right, so it gives you that, it voids you of taking responsibility for your actions or, make, or makes it justified, all right? Um, I'm just a colossal failure. I might as well drink this booze and not give a shit at work and, you know, no one cares about me, <laughs> whatever, whatever that narrative is, you know what I'm saying? Like, however we justify just not taking responsibility for the change, we, we do that. We gravitate towards that. It, it's become easier for us. It's become sort of our default uh, direction. And I want to give another example of a narrative that I used to say to myself all the time back when I was married. 
and felt so stuck and trapped in this fucking box. Like, ugh. And and so this is kind of a small trigger warning for those of us who have been in abusive relationships. Um, it's also, I'm going to PG-13 this narrative a little bit here. And I just want to let everyone know. Okay. So I used to say things. This was my narrative. This is what I used to say things like in my mind or think. These are the things I used to think. <laughs> That's a better way to say it. Um, so I'm, I'm just a poor, innocent woman. All I do is love you and try to do my best. And you never love me back. And all I want is to be happy. But I can't because my husband won't let me because he'll get mad, because he'll threaten me and punish me and I'm stuck and I have nowhere to go and nobody understands how hard this is for me. And I'm not responsible for the way I feel. He is. He makes me so sad and so mad. It's his fault. He never treats me the way I want to be treated. I'm doing this all alone and it's hard and it's scary and I'm so alone and nobody loves me. Okay? So I'm going to keep tolerating this bullshit because I made the decision to marry him. I don't want to go to hell. So I'm going to keep sleeping in the bed that I made. And if he could only see how amazing I am and how helpful I am and how much I love him, that I would do anything. Maybe I'll change him, help him, make him better. All right? That's the, that's the PG-13. Which then led me not only to ab- abandon myself and believe the victim judger, but also started, I started to take responsibility for the way he felt. So I was taking responsibility for the way my abuser felt and treated me. Like that's fucked up. See where this is going? And maybe it sounds like I'm embellishing here, but really I'm underplaying the real voice because the old narrative was like horrendous. I might've spoken to it in very early, earlier on podcast, but that is fucking toxic thinking. Period. That is toxic. Toxic, toxic, toxic bullshit. And no, there's nothing wrong with this situation. This happens. This is such a common, habitual way of thinking, a thinking pattern for so many people in the world. I know that I was not alone. I know this now. At the time, I thought I was the only person because that's what the ego does. It keeps you small and in the box. This is how we are taught to think. But at the time, I thought it was normal and I was justified. I used to say say things like, it is what it is. That is the narrative that I was oh so familiar with. It would always come back to me believing that he will be better and he will try harder and he loves me so much and he'll never do it again. It was always about him, like outside of myself. Like things will get better when he is better. Things will get better when he does something, not when I do something. Interesting. And because I tolerated that abuse for so long from myself, that inner narrative that I was contributing to the situation because I'm responsible, it became, for lack of a better word, a comfort to be put in my place and controlled and, you know, abused by him. I would take it. That was my kickback. The cycle was familiar and became a sense of comfort or control for me. I knew what the outcome would be. I knew what the cycle was. It was easy. It was comfortable. It wasn't easy. It was fucking hard. But like, I oh, I knew how 
things I would get when, when things were really bad, I knew that he would apologize and try harder and maybe be different next time. Mm, interesting. So I chose to continue to tolerate that behavior from him and myself. I'm part of this relationship because just the idea of leaving caused way too much stress and pressure and fear of the unknown than the idea of staying. I knew I could control that. I could control the staying. I was comfortable tolerating. So staying did in fact benefit me. Do you see what I'm saying? That was my kickback. That's the, the reason why I kept doing the same thing over and over again, instead of jumping on that glory train, you know, and changing my life. So I had no idea what was on the other side of the fence. I had no idea what it looked like. I'd spent so long in this narrative that I believed it was who I was. It is what it is. And I identified with that. No, sometimes it isn't what it is. <laughs> it's not. We just don't have the skills or the trust to see the truth. You know, that blind faith that we can change our lives. This narrative, again, it was toxic. It's, it's, it, to me, it was the road to mental illness. It's the road to mental illness for many of us is to stay in these toxic, tolerating, bullshit narratives. So being person three, going back to those examples, and just intuitively venturing out into the big scary world with zero dollars was like the last possible thing I would ever do. You know, staying felt easier. I felt like I deserved it. All these different things were popping into my mind. I felt like I needed to keep trying to fix him and show him how great I was, all that shit, beg him to see me. That's the way I lived. So continuously giving my power away, I learned that behavior. And the special, most powerful tip or piece of advice or thing that I finally, you know, saw or believed or trusted in, in my life was knowing that, was knowing this, if I learned it somewhere, if all of this, it really is something that I learned then I can unlearn it. So if this is really something that I agreed to at some point, I can also disagree with it. All right. And that is what I spent the next five years of my life doing was this great unlearning, this undoing, and then relearning. All right. And I do this to this very day. This is my life's work. This is what I talk about all the time. This is why you are here right now to unlearn everything, to question and to challenge and break down the barriers and move and change your vibration, lift your vibration, come, become more expand. And because here's the thing to become the best version of yourself and live your life outside of the control and domination of that default setting, whatever it is for you, you will need to peel back the layers and the layers and the layers of this bullshit. You can't grow and expand and become that person doing the same shit you've always done. It's impossible. You can't become an empowered woman of truth who stands in her integrity and sets boundaries and makes herself a priority without thinking and behaving in a way that an empowered woman would think and behave. It's impossible. 
So how do these people think and behave? That's the question. You need to get off that victim judger train and start living on the VIP first class bullet train of life. You need to actually start to do the things that everyone on that first class train do, that does what they do. (laughs) I'm not saying these words right. (laughs) So thinking about doing it changes nothing. Knowing about doing it changes nothing. Doing it will change everything. All right. And when you fall back to your default, like I did last week, you are more than welcome to stay on that victim judger train for as long as you need, but it's not going to be fun and it's not going to change your life the way you want it to. Even though sometimes that victim judger train kind of feels safe, AKA the kickback. You're there for a reason. You need to peel back another layer. You've expanded and now you're going deeper. All right, that's what it feels like. You go back, you go back to that victim judger train and then you will decide in doing the work and in observing, you will decide to step up and step into your worth again and into your power again and jump back aboard the VIP bullet. That's the way it works, which by the way is moving super fast AF and you're gonna miss a lot of shit, but that's totally fine because you're there and you're choosing to be there and you're putting yourself first and you put yourself in first class, that is your responsibility. It's no one else's responsibility for you to take that jump. It's only you. Only you can jump ship or trains (laughs) or whatever. All right, it's not up to anyone else. And I wanna make one thing super clear because clear is kind. And I want to remind you all or inspire you by saying that most of the time, regardless of how you learn and regardless of how you are inspired to do the work, the second you step onto that VIP train, it's going to feel like you are a trailblazer. Like you're gonna feel like that person three for a second who is stepping into the unknown, who is on, on this brave mission. <laughs> and and you need to like tap into your intuitive nature and it's going to be scary all right but you are going to do it and always you are going to do it when you know you are ready yeah well, maybe it's not when you know where you're ready there's going to be a calling for you to step into that unknown for a second it's like one second And then you're going to start to rebuild new habits and behaviors that will become comfortable, but at a higher vibration, at a level that brings you joy, all right, that benefits you in way more powerful and way better ways than where you are right now, all right? And when you step onto that VIP train, you'll finally realize that you absolutely know nothing. You don't know shit about shit. And that is such a great place to be when you don't know anything. Oh, it's such a powerful thing. What you do know is that you're not going to spend one more second waiting. You're not going to do the same thing, wishing, hoping, praying, praying for something to change. Yeah, that's, 
Am I right? For anyone who is in that stage of their journey right now, how freaking epic is that? Where you can actually make your own reality come true. Make your own desires and wishing and hoping and praying come true for real. All right? You know what I'm talking about. When you're doing when you're doing the doing, how it how it profoundly affects your life in such a beautiful way. So coming first full circle last week, I had a really, really low energy week. I honored my body's needs. I fell back onto that de- into that default to be reminded that I am not those things. So that was the lesson to sit and heal and speak to that victim judger and parent that victim judger inside of me. I had to parent that inner voice that person who felt so awful and who had learned all that crap and then rewrite the narrative again. I wasn't there long. I know I'm going to be back. That's the journey. I'm ready for the next downswing because I trust in my skills. I trust in myself and the path. I'm doing the work and now I'm on an upswing, which is oh, such a beautiful place to be. And I have so much gratitude and great feelings and I'm in alignment and I feel connected and beautiful and healthy, and happy, and joyous, and balanced. And what this work really has taught me is that I am not the victim judger. I no longer believe that voice to be true, even though sometimes it feels like it might be. It might be. I know that it's not. I have, I had just simply agreed to it at one stage or another in my life, and I made that my reality. It doesn't make me bad or weak or anything like that, but now I'm aware of it. And as I continue to practice awareness and use my skills, I'm able to get out of the hole or off that victim judger train a thousand times faster. I know I, I now enjoy the VIP bullet. Oh, life is freaking amazing. It's awesome up there. And I feel worthy of it. Thinking and acting like a VIP bullet train ticket holder is now genuinely like easy for me. I want that. I crave that. I don't want to be on that victim judger train anymore. It's no thank you. And now it's possible for you to do this too. I know this is possible for you. Whatever part of the journey that you're on, whatever you're facing that's holding you back or making you smaller, or keeping you on that victim judger train, you can always, always, always jump. And of course, I would love to help. So keep listening to the show, keep showing up for yourself, keep doing. And of course, if you want to know more about actually working with me and having me hold your hand through this entire process, and honestly, so, so much more. I mean, the the doing that I see with the people in the Elisa Unfiltered Inner Circle and the questions that they're asking and the things that they're overcoming and the answers that they're getting on that VIP bullet, bullet train, I like to call it front burner thinking. You want to be on the back burner? Be on the back burner your whole life. That's totally fine. But when you're ready to step up to that front burner, to that fast bullet VIP train, mm, take my hand and you can actually get more information on that at elisaunfiltered.com forward slash inner circle. Please deep dive into the Elisa Unfiltered inner circle with me. Or you can also email me at elisa at elisaunfiltered.com. Super easy to remember, E-L-I-S-A at E-L-I-S-A unfiltered.com for more information, okay? Now, before we go here, there is this really, really 
really powerful line in Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. I mentioned earlier in the show that I wanted to give you sort of a a big impactful thing that hit me like a bullet. (laughs) When I read it, it literally took my breath away. You know, like when you see something or feel something or experiencing something that you, you literally need to like pause and just stare in awe. (laughs) That's what I was doing. I was staring in awe at the words on the page of this book. And I want to share it because again, we are all inspired into things or to do things, to do the doing in so many different ways. And this like particular part of the book inspired me to do. It also inspired me to trust in myself and my path. It's another way that we can be inspired. When we're when we're starting this journey or we're, I don't know, however many years or stages or whatever into it, and someone says something that totally is like, yeah, that's where I am, but I didn't know you were there too. And I'm so glad that you are because sometimes I feel as a lie alone, that person three just, you know, being, <laughs> doing things you have no idea. Uh, whether they're going to impact you positively or not, right? So um, it was kind of like this extra little support beam in my foundation, in my love foundation. So in short, let's get into this. Glennon Doyle, for those of you who uh, do not know her story or, or who have not read the book Untamed, she was on the victim judger train, okay? So she was married to a man She had three children and she was completely miserable because, you know, there was a lot of reasons, but mainly she was in love with another woman and her default setting was to keep the family together for the sake of the children and being gay is bad and weak and terrible and everyone, if she gets divorced, everyone's going to hate her and suffer and be disappointed in her or whatever. Okay, who can relate to any of those narratives? I sure as hell can, Um, in my own way for sure. However, Glennon Doyle was having all of these wake-up calls and out-of-body experiences, and she was starting to really tap into her own personal knowing. And it was all these little glimpses that this isn't the life she wants. It was like the world, her life was calling her and tapping her and nudging her into this direction, but she was scared, you know? But then again, she was being called to act, to do, to change, to evolve, to expand, however you want to call it. And she asked herself this question, is the decision to continue abandoning myself really what your children need from you? That's what she wrote in her book. Is the decision to continue abandoning yourself really what your children need from you? And this was like the the mic drop sort of thing. Because her answer, which came from her deep inner knowing and is that impactful thing for me was this. She said, my children do not need me to save them. My children need to watch me save myself. Like, wow. Again, mic drop. My children do not need me to save them. My children need to watch me save myself. And no, I don't have children. That's not the point there. This is not the narrative that I'm getting stuck on. People need to watch more and more people saving themselves. We need to keep watching. It can be and is being done. People are saving themselves. I'm saving myself. I'm changing my life 
People are changing their lives and becoming these deeply loved and appreciated and seen and joyous people in their lives. We can all heal. We are healing. You are not responsible to save anyone or take responsibility for anyone else's choices. You're only responsible for you. With the exception, of course, I know there's gonna be people objecting, of very young children, of course. Yes, we need to help them and guide them and show them. That's not what I'm talking about. But at some point, you'll, you, will, you will start to understand that instead of taking responsibility for them, you can show them how you take responsibility for yourself, all right? Now, before I go, my last question for you is why? Why do you stay put? What is your kickback? How are you benefiting? And are you ready to jump on the VIP train with me? Are you ready? Okay, I'm over here giving you a massive virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. And if you want more, head over to elisaunfiltered.com for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. And if you are looking for a new crew of body love, self-care, and confidence builders just like yourself, be sure to join my exclusive community over on Facebook. The link is waiting for you at elisaunfiltered.com. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time.